Hello and welcome to another episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. Today you'll be listening to myself, Mark Hirons, talk with Connor Fowler. Connor has been on the show before, you should go and check out that episode uh, before listening to this if you don't know who he is. But today on the show we cover a few topics, including defining uh, the line between art and design, inspiration where it comes from and how to get it from the client, also getting away from the computer and how to feed that subconscious brain. We also talk about the fine line between inspiration and copying. Also telling the story and selling a logo. And finally, the pros and cons for working for yourself and making connections in the industry and should you do it. So, it's a lot to talk about. We've got a lot going on this episode. Uh, stick around, hope you enjoy it and uh, keep your ears open because it's a good episode with lots and lots and lots of advice. So, I hope you enjoy it. Yes, we're on. Recording. Recording. Uh, first of all, welcome back to the podcast. This is your second appearance. It is. It is indeed. Part of that prestige club. <laughs> Try to get a gold star. <laughs> you will get a badge once I've got them. We we'll get a crazy waffle pin badge if you want nice. one. Um, but yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about um, a few things that are going to be clipped up to be put into another series I'm coming out with uh, for young designers on YouTube. And it's basically just um, giving your thoughts on what design means to you, uh, inspiration, and the fine lines between inspiration and copying, where you should find it, and tips for being inspired, and also working for yourself, pros and cons. I will just mention that if you don't know who Connor is, go and check out episode 27 of this podcast, where we talked all about him, his story, and his process. But let's get on with the first question. What does design mean to you is the first question. I think for a long time, design for me basically meant something with very deliberate form. So if you think, this is like before I really even knew what graphic design was, but if we're going back to say when I was a young teenager or even a kid, if you told me something was designed, it had to either have lots of flowy curves in it or just be really really sharp bold architecture type stuff um i didn't find anything in between was designed i didn't really know what that word meant um but as i started to get older and started to discover basically everything in the world is designed in some way or another it became more of this idea of um the idea of being deliberate is still there but it's more that someone has built something with intention so it has a practical or a physical um or a psychological use of some kind um and and it evokes some kind of emotion in other people that is that to me now is what design is now that can come obviously in in loads of different forms um but yeah at the moment we're kind of on the idea that it's it's anything built with an intention or built with a purpose so it's like logos could be the face of a brand or it could be the pencil that you use or it could be zoom the thing we're using to talk on right now like all of it's built with with or designed with intention Mm. how how does that differ from art though art can be done without intention at all i think you can be creative without having a direction um if you think about a lot of abstract artists, they are obviously going in with the intention to make a painting, but I, there's not maybe a super strong direction. I think you can 100% do art without being super deliberate about it in in the same way, say, an architect would be. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there seems to be a few more uh, strict guidelines to design, like there's certain rulers or rules you have to put in place. Um, you've got the tracking and kerning of typography, you've got um, hierarchical structure, uh, you've, you've got balance and a few different set things that you have, whereas art this seems to be more free, it seems to be um, a bit more creative as in a sense of you can do anything, pretty much, mm. whereas design has these purposes and these, these rules. Yeah, I think those systems are, are interesting. The 
more so for things like typography because and things that require you to do something other than just look at it so you have if you're having to read you need to have found or created a system which is what the idea of kerning is and tracking and all that type of stuff is defining a system that actually makes it easier for people or interesting for people whereas as you say with art you can it's open to interpretation there's yeah. no there's not really some kind of system you can put in place obviously that there, there are artists who use grid systems and things like that but you could translate their work to digital and it would look exactly the same so i don't i don't really know the the i yeah that thought is is interesting for sure it, it's a very blurred line i mean it doesn't specifically no one has to describe or, or explain why it's this and why it's designs that and why it's this i think it's people try and put too many labels on things but that's sort of a, a rough idea of if, you, if you're wondering what this line is um so going on to inspiration where you should find it what about you when you're creating a logo when you're creating a brand for for uh, someone where do you find the inspiration where's the best places to look when i'm starting out with inspiration of an artist question a few times it's always the same answer the first um is that you need to ask more questions to your client um need to i'm very quickly becoming quite against the idea of using a questionnaire in the process at, at any point um there are instances where they could be useful and practical but particularly for branding i much prefer the idea of, of and this is what i do i sit down with my client and ask them questions and questions and questions and questions so when we've agreed to work together i'll sit there for an hour or two hours and just ask questions mm. um or begin to at least define and understand their history and what made them who they are today because if you don't start with that you're not going to find or your ins your inspiration for the project is going to be so wide that when you actually go to create something you're not going to have an idea where to start because you're going to have inspiration from abstract minimalism to calligraphy and and all everything in between so you want to start by asking as many questions as you can and, and the right questions because that will give you the inspiration to move to the next visual step yeah absolutely uh, so you've so you've basically gathered all that analytical data like all that written word all that sound clip or whatever you do to record it and where i go from there after you've done that the next step for me is always to uh make a, a pinterest board like a mood board um based on those keywords so i'll spend time on pinterest doing that to get like a, a big uh a big art direction an overall art direction and then um go from there but the the issue there's such a it's uh yeah one of the things that i or people seem to struggle with is the difference between inspiration and copying but for the sake of just talking about inspiration at the moment the thing i never do is look at other people's design work before i've made something mm. well, so, that well because you will subconsciously copy it yeah. like fact I've done it. it, it <laughs> everyone has, everyone has, yeah. I'll, I'll make a logo and I'll go, I recognize that for some reason. And then I'll just do a quick Google search and be like, oh, it's Tiger Woods' logo or whatever. <laughs> even, though, like, uh, even though I probably saw Tiger Woods' logo maybe five years ago, like yeah. someone can still be like, well, you copied this. <laughs> <laughs> you thief. Even though 
my subconscious, even though it's something from my subconscious that I don't have access to. Yeah. Um, the brain's a strange thing where it does that. It, it, you hold so much information in it and, and yeah, you, it's so many old logos that you, you recognize and somehow redraw or, or just come out eventually out of your brain and yeah, they, they seem to be the same. Exactly. So the first place I find inspiration from is Pinterest. I will make a big mood board, photography, architecture, uh, typography styles. So more so for typefaces than looking at logos or things like that. I'll look at other pattern work um, and packaging as well. Because although although I'm like, don't look at other people's designs before you design something, the larger format stuff is very easy to chop and change. So typefaces or pattern work or color schemes, like those types of things are very general. Whereas if you were to, because the a logo design or iconography for a brand is so synonymous with them. Yeah. If yeah. you start by looking at other people's logos, their logo designs will influence what you're doing. Um, so it's taking elements of the brand rather than just or yeah. elements of things. So maybe the client likes or, or parts of parts of the things that relate to their customer or their, their target audience and their customers. Exactly. Rather, rather than their direct competitors. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's where we first start. I always start on Pinterest do that and I make a mood board and we get that signed off by the client. But if I'm still struggling, the next site I'll go to is Unsplash, which is like a stock photography website. It's a free stock photography website, but I use, sometimes it's that's better than Pinterest because particularly when you're looking for people, um, if you go to Pinterest and you type in um, old portrait or anything to do with vintage photography, it's thousands of pictures of Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. <laughs> So that's an absolute nightmare and not worth trawling through. So I just go to Unsplash instead and do the same search because it's a much smaller mm. amount of data to search through. Um, I'll use Unsplash, so it'll be Pinterest, then Unsplash. Then if I absolutely have to, I will go through books that I have, like Logo Modernism, some of the ones up there, um, like Logo Modernism and things like that. And then I'll go somewhere like Dribble. Yeah, as like a or Behance as like a last resort. Typically, I'll use those sites to check whether someone else has already done my idea. I won't use them for inspiration. Typically, yeah, that's the thing because they are they are the final products that people put out there. So you don't want to be going and looking at them and then realizing that you have copied them later on in the project. Yeah. Uh, also, I would say get for people who are just starting out, make sure you go out and see things. Just be like what you're saying online. To go out and see. Go if you're doing a, a logo for a car. Um, mechanic or something go out to a car show and uh, have a look at some really nice vintage cars and see what stuff they've done on, on their logos and and on, on the actual badges on the car or collect some pins or look at look at um i don't know tool logos or or just stuff stuff that isn't directly logo for mechanic for mechanic yeah. themselves in, so, in in my opinion i'll do this i do the same well in my I opinion the that. idea <laughs> yeah the the idea that um maybe i did yeah um, so if you were to look for, say, let's really boil it down, inspiration for like a lion logo, yeah, you wouldn't go and look at lions. You'd go and look at other animal logos. Because if you go and look at lions, you'll just copy someone else's lion. Exactly. If you, if you go and look at the natural form or the way that people convey the idea of, say, a magpie or a cat or something different, you get the element side of it and the idea of, well, that style might work this element might work. I like the way they've used curves and sharp edges here. And then you can try that um, rather than, yeah, so like going directly to the source, as you said.
Yeah, uh, it's, it might even be best of going out to a zoo or something and actually drawing a line yourself and try and get it simplified and try yeah. and look at look at the shapes it has on its face and look at the, the mane and, and the fur and stuff and, and yeah. try and see what shapes it's got on it. Or even just pick it online. You have to go to a zoo. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, I mean, you, what George Bacure does is um, he goes through various stock websites and, and Google Images and Flickr and stuff like that and finds pictures of animals in motion usually or in in the position he wants them to be in mm. and then going from there um i think he's based in new york or, or was in those in those videos on skillshare but um <laughs> it's it's like obviously they they have a zoo there it's very there's a zoo in new york but you can just use google like I, yeah because mm. because photos are so plentiful now you're not having to guess yeah yeah it's true um, what, what, do you, what do you think about getting away from the computer and uh, allowing that subconscious brain to just keep keep the ideas going for the project? It's necessary. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I think one of the things I read an interview the other day that was talking about I can't remember who the guy was, but I'm pretty sure I also heard this on a Joe Rogan podcast with a, a sleep scientist or something. But he yeah. was he was saying that you need between 30 minutes to an hour a day of just activity and not really focused in on anything. So, or sitting in silence and, and doing nothing. Um, so that could be going out for a walk. That could be going to the gym somewhere where you can just disconnect for an hour to, um, well, for about an hour a day. So, because otherwise your brain just becomes so frazzled and isn't isn't make is running the same gauntlet every single day. You're not actually Absolutely. making any new connections in your brain. Yeah, I, I found that. I went, oh, this for a project yesterday that I did uh, with the logo design project for this football um, football bid. Uh, so going to the gym, I've done all the research and all the logo stuff before, and then going to the gym um, actually gave me a clearer understanding of what I wanted to do with the project because. Mm -hmm. Got me thinking about it. Rather, it got me to take a step back away from it. And I think that's a really good point. If you're if you're struggling to find a logo concept or struggling struggling to find something that works, get away from the computer. I know it can be hard sometimes, but people listening, um, it's really really good advice to to step away and, and let your brain just do something else and subconsciously think about it. And honestly, you'll get so many more ideas from doing that by doing that rather than just trying to work through it and sit sit at the computer. Yeah, for sure. That's that's basically what I find as well. That if you if I spend all day just sat at the computer, my my eyes hurt. Firstly, <laughs> but uh, your brain just feels completely drained as well. Absolutely. So, what uh, looking along the lines of that kind of the uh, inspiration and copying? So let's have a, let's talk about that for a little bit. What, yeah. What 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 is the line? Where's the fine line? I mean, it's a very grey area, really. Um, for me, it's the whenever I make something and I go back and research to see whether my idea is used by somebody else, I will spend time, even if I find something that's kind of similar, re like going deeper than just the visual and going, okay, well, are they even in the same industry? Because ultimately, a large portion of copywriting and trademarking is down to companies in competition with each other having similar marks. Um, so more often than not, if you made a logo for a mechanic, as you said, or and then you find online that someone who works in street food has a very or, or kind of similar logo. If you put them side by side, you'd see the similarity, but they're not the same. Mm -hmm. um, you probably wouldn't have any problems. 
because they're not competing with each other. They're not trying to, um, what's the word? They're not trying to like steal other people's customers. They're not trying to confuse the general public yeah. um, by making it. It's like, it's like if you see Ken's fried chicken and Kentucky fried chicken, they, like it's identical. Like their branding is almost identical. You walk, walk, walk into a, a Ken's fried chicken and the branding on the walls is like a knockoff version of KFC. <laughs> I do not know how they get away with it, but clearly whatever they have registered and um, they, can, they can call it whatever they want. So providing they call it Ken's fried chicken and not KFC, then it's fine. Like they, it, this is the thing you need to, there is a very, very fine line, especially when you get down to like lawyering, uh, like legal level. Mm. Um, but <laughs> my, my general rule is if I come across something and my first reaction is that's a bit close, then I'll move on and do a different concept because there's no point. Because if, if I'm a designer going, putting these two things side by side and going, yeah, I'm not sure, but I think if you're going, I think it will be okay. Then you've got again another problem, um, because your brain's told you one thing and you've just gone against it. Um, but yeah, that's typically where I'll draw the line. But I think in general, a lot of people don't understand the difference, especially when it comes down to going back to that idea of inspiration. Is that a lot of times you'll see people make very similar concepts from their own skill set. They'll just, they'll just make something and put it online and someone will be like, Hey, that looks like such and such. And then they go, well, I, I have no idea what that is. Like prime example is I did a design earlier this year. Um, that was like an E in a hexagon shape. And I had a bunch of people like loads and loads of people from India send me messages and comments being like, you've copied a design for a tractor company in India. <laughs> and I went, a what? I did what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they had to send me the company name and I looked them up and lo and behold, they were very similar. Yeah. yeah. you never seen it before. But there was no way in hell I was ever going to have seen it before. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, the company name isn't written in English. Nothing on their website was written in English as far as I can remember. So I would never have been able to even search for it. Yeah. 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 That's the thing. People, people you, you can create stuff that is similar to stuff out really out there just by looking at the shapes from other logos and just by subconsciously mm -hmm. just, just randomly somehow the power of magic just gets it similar. Yeah. Uh, but, but, and then that's unfortunate. And then that's when if you have done it for a client, you sort of see, see that and if anything does come of it um the client will probably write it back to you and say well this looks similar well, how come this is that and then mm. you have to explain the awkward situation I have to explain uh why it's the same and you realize that oh, i did i've never seen this before um, i'm really sorry it's the same maybe we can work out in terms of the rest of the branding how we can we differ how we can differ it from uh, from their branding um, yeah. and especially if it's a, a tractor company uh, it's completely different to what you were. I mean, it, well, I just made the logo for fun originally, so that's not an issue. But yeah, I can imagine if you had an actual client in this scenario, you'd have to go to them because they probably wouldn't see, they probably wouldn't have checked and found the logo elsewhere. That obviously they would do if they had a lawyer do it. But if if they're going and trusting you, and then they look at your Instagram and it says like thirty people from India being like, <laughs> "You stole this," then they're not going to know any different. So. 
you still have to spend the time and being like, well, is it too close? Is it not? And obviously there's only so much research you can do without hiring a lawyer. Like, yeah, that's the way it is. But yeah, the differentiating, if the, the breasted branding, though, that, that's a really good way of getting past that hurdle. Um, and if you have unintentionally copied it, if you, if you ripped off intentionally, and uh, then I suggest changing it completely. But, um, but yeah, it's a fine line. So, so for people in the new new to the industry coming into the industry, how can they not do that subconsciously? How can they any any tips for not copying subconsciously? <laughs> okay, so the only thing you can do is is the only actual thing you can do is is research. So, but you do it afterwards. So don't make something well make a rough sketch or make a rough concept and then reverse image search it you need to make a finished thing then do it because as we said at the start if you start adding if you start going through and if you do your sketches or whatever and you look at other people's logos going oh well my sketch kind of looks like this or it kind of looks like that so early in the process what you'll come across is that you'll just end up copying them even though you've gone I want to make sure I don't copy this. Um, and it's much better to make a lot of content, to make a lot of designs or concepts and then narrow it down because then that gives you the options rather than um, making one idea and then finding out that actually it's someone else's design. Um, so that's like towards the end of your process. But if you want to avoid it at the start, what I typically do is... I won't look at sites like Dribble or Instagram or um, other design type websites or other people's designs in general, whether that could be books or whatever, um, before I start doing any design work that requires me creating something new. Yeah. So that if I want to do that, I'll say do it the night before or I'll do it the day before um, or I'll do it afterwards, after I've made the, made the design. Because... If you do it too close to when you're doing sketching or concepting or anything like that, um, they just overlap. Your brain yep. doesn't have the time to turn off and then actually distinguish between the, the two, between what you're making and what you're thinking. Yeah. yeah. So, so when you are looking at other, other logos afterwards and, and maybe you are doing it for inspiration and if you do happen to come across a few books and you're looking at them, uh, what sort of styles and what sort of things are you taking away from them that you could potentially implement in your own in your own designs? Uh, largely element-based stuff. So if I'm doing a letter for a design, I will maybe go and look at other typographical letter logos, but I will always make sure to not look at ones that are the, what I'm trying to do. So if I need to do a K logo or a W, I will not go and look at those. Um, I'll take the books like, say, like Logo Modernism and look so this is after i've done the sketches so if i've done sketches and like some rough concepts and i want to update or add or whatever i'll go back to those books and go okay well i've started exploring this style or i've started exploring i think they categorize them by things like rotation or cutaway or um geometric or, or whatever the style is i would just flick through those and be like well that idea could work for what i'm doing that idea could work for what i'm doing so that will be things like overlapping designs that'll be a use of negative space um even down to the way that someone has shown the difference between a sharp and curved edge or something like that right so it's, it's super broad 
design stuff. Yeah, yeah, curved edges, uh, sort of the, the plantishness of it, and the um, weight of it, and well. any overlapping sections, like very, mm. very broad segments. Because as I say, if you if you go too in depth with any of that, it's just gonna just gonna influence the final design and not actually give you a true thing that you've made. Yeah, and you've also got to be always looking back at the the brief as well. You've got to be really yeah. realizing what the, what the client actually wants rather than just designing something that looks cool. Yeah, uh, exactly. So it's got to be functional um, and try and get all that meaning in there and, and just, yeah, rather than look at Because you, you look at the brief for inspiration, the highlight, highlight bits uh, on there that, that could stand out, you could potentially, good, good bits of meaning that you could potentially get into the into the logo, the history. Um, so maybe it's like a flag, for example, or uh, it's the idea of progression or development. The, the company always always thinking about moving forward. You got to get mm -hmm. some sort of sort of sort of movement in there, or arrows, or I don't know. I think it could be anything. You could interpret that quite quite nicely, quite widely. Yeah, um, exactly. Like, and, and various things, but looking for broad things that you could vaguely get in there. I think. Do you, how much of the logo design process do you think it's about storytelling and selling the idea to the to the company? Well, I don't sell, like right. that's just straight up, um, or I do my best not to. Um, and by that, I mean, I don't go in going, this is the best for your brand, flashy, flashy, <laughs> like trying to do it in, you know how when you go past um, or, or you're in Asda or in a supermarket or in a shopping center and someone will be like, hey, do you want it? Like trying to stop you to pitch to you. Yeah. Yeah because then they'll try and give you something flashy and you'll maybe buy something you don't want really. I don't do that anymore. A lot of, I think a, quite a lot of designers do do that in their presentations. You'll see people going, oh, the client picked the awful one, even though I tried to steer them to the good one. And it's like, well, you should have just shown them the good one then and been yeah. like, sorry guys, this is the best concept I came up with. Here's why. And give them a hundred reasons why it's the best. When we come down to the, doing the presentation, I will just, show them the reasons why and always refer it back to the initial presentation. So all the initial meetings. So that will be things like keywords, colors, element styles. That's why having the initial conversations and creating a mood board is really important because um, your client may remember all of those conversations, but it's good to put it in front of them again, just to put it at the forefront of their mind so that when you go, okay, well, I've made this concept because of these reasons based on what we've previously discussed. They can go, well, that was part one, part two, and we've got to part three. They, yeah. can, they can see the progression much more clearly, and then you don't have to sell anything to them. You so don't taking, have to... Yeah, so you're taking their hand through the process. You, you know, you, yeah. You're building it along with them, so you don't have to sell it, right? That's a really yeah. good point. They've seen it grow rather than, rather than yeah. just buying a fully, like, by you you've seen them grow from like a seed rather than buying just a plant yeah yeah, um, yeah it's much easier to to show someone something and then sell it to them um or provide them with it or whatever you want to call it but yeah i don't go out of my way to to sell to people anymore I'll, I'll do it on on a call i will often make the point of going well i'm not here to pitch and sell to you ultimately it's no good if you don't have something valuable at the end of the process so mm -hmm. If you're umming and ahhing, maybe we should talk again in a week. Maybe we should do something else. Maybe you need to, uh, maybe you've got a few questions or maybe I have some more questions to ask you, but I'm not gonna sit there and be like, you have to buy this now. You have 10 hours. 
or, or something stupid or doing things like um, if you buy this now, I'll throw in X thing. Yeah, so it's very much a handheld development, uh, taking them through it and telling them a story and uh, letting them letting them build it. Really, you really want to make it feel like they're building them. Yeah, you want you also want to nurture a really good relationship with you and the client, mm. because if you don't do that, then they're not going to trust your decisions or just, or trust your choices. And I had a I literally had a client last week, who who came to me and said, "Can we do X, Y, and Z to the design?" and I was basically, I basically went back to them and said, no, <laughs> yeah. in so many words. Obviously I was more polite than that. It was, no, we shouldn't do this because of X reason, Y reason, Z reason. Um, and this could potentially lead to a bad thing down the road, but keeping it the same or very similar could maintain your consistency and all of this type of stuff. So I'm not going out of the way to, to try and force it down their throats. But you're going to say you're building a, a relationship with the client. You're making sure that they are reassured and that they trust your approach. Because if they don't, then you will have to sell to them, um, which is a lot harder. Um, but yeah, so with that client story, I sent off that email. It's probably one of the, the most blunt emails I've ever sent. Um, and she came back and said, thanks very much for explaining. I really appreciate it. And I was yeah. like, Oh my God. <laughs> it's easy to understand, doesn't it? Sometimes it's yeah. easy to understand where you're coming from and the actual reasons behind it because yeah. they're seeing a pretty picture. But if, if you haven't taken them through it the whole way and they don't understand the reasons behind it, and that's what makes a strong brand. If, if you understand the reasons behind the arrow and the FedEx logo, then you'll know that it's a stronger brand than just a picture. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's, that's a good point. So uh, moving on to working for yourself and how many, how many years have you been working for yourself now? We're going to go into year two. Nice. Well, yeah. it's, it's, I've been working for myself pretty much, wait, 2018 or 17. It's been probably 18 months at this point, but I only really count a year. I don't like the first six months. I just was kind of fumbling around in the dark. And so 2018 was basically, I went, I started freelancing in 2017. The first six months were just all over the place. Second, I was basically living off savings. The second six months were not great. So, and I still, again, had no direction. So I only really count 2018 in, in Connor's personal archive anyway. Nice. That's cool though. Like, do you reckon it takes that long to develop anyway? Do you think that's yeah. part of it? Well, especially if you don't know what you're doing, like I did at all. <laughs> um, so, but it's very common it's things like tax. The tax man doesn't expect to take tax from you in the first year of business. Yeah. yeah which yeah. means that they don't expect your business to grow that much or make you that much money in a year, in the first year, which again suggests that having a small business and not really knowing what you're doing for the first year is perfectly okay. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, in Connor's biography, it's going to say, in my biography, it's definitely going to say 2018. <laughs> <laughs> there you go yeah you put, you put before like a, a practice yeah. and then 2018 we got serious then we get serious yeah um so can we talk about for the pros and cons of working for yourself and what yeah you um so I, I i can start if you want if you yeah go for it man so uh i reckon 
the, the starting from the pros, starting from the positive stuff. Um, it, it can be good to have a quiet office. It can you can get some really focused like work done. If if you have if you have you're on yourself, you've got headphones in, listen to some good music, and you can be really in the zone more times mm. than if you've got people around you. Uh, if you've got people in the office that are do, not doing work or, or throwing paper airplanes at you, or they're just like being silly, or, or you know, they're distracting you with other tasks. Maybe maybe they are being doing the job, but they're distracting you. So you can sometimes get some better work done and more productive work done. But on the flip side of that, you've got the distractions of being disciplined. If you're not disciplined enough, you're going to play Xbox. You're going to um, not do enough work here and there. You're going to slack mm-hmm. off early, which is always a good thing sometimes as well to slack off early. But uh, you need to give yourself breaks. But um, Justifying yeah. it to yourself a little bit, are you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I, yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> the hidden secrets come out, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so there's good and bad things to everything. You can, if, you can flip everything. But being on your own um, can sometimes be good for, for productivity. But again, be bad for not having people around you, not having that support system, not having as many people to give you advice or, or instant feedback. Now, obviously, there's things that we, we both use uh, social media a lot to get feedback from other people and, and talk to other people and talk to people that know more than us and are better better than us at design. And I urge anyone listening to this to do that. It's really important to build a, your circle um, mm-hmm. to to get this feedback from other people and, and just keep your work growing. Um, how easy has it been for you to do that? Build my circle, build my yeah. network. Yeah, yeah. I mean, before I got into design, I used to make chiptune music and play gigs and and travel quite a lot with that. So I was meeting people like, I'd probably meet about 20 people a week at the height of it. But I mean, 99% of them, I would not count as in my network because I just either don't talk to them or they were just acquaintances or I know that they're not going to be or un- very unlikely to be helpful in me pursuing in terms of a longer term relationship, which sounds really horrible, but it's true. <laughs> you don't want to wait. You basically don't want to waste time on people who are who just waste time on people. Um, but the networking side of it, it's such a important thing. If I, I, it's one of the things that I say to my girlfriend who's in university or um, any of her her friends who are all in uni is that if you don't leave uni with a decent sized network, you may as well not have gone. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you're going to be solitary and isolated and not go to your lectures and hide and just turn up when you have to, um, to do your exams or to do your group activities or whatever, you're never going to build a network out that's large enough to help support you when you leave. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you get off the bus of university, you want to make sure there are other people getting off at your stop as well. Yeah. Because it's a long way to the next stop, as I found out. It's a long way. So when I started doing design in, in or freelance stuff in 2017, I had no network at all. I had about three or 4,000 followers who were all designers, which is fine and good, but that's not really any good for my business network because yeah. you need varied people. You need a few designer friends like yourself um, and lots of other people that I uh, follow and interact with regularly, but you need to be f- like actually exploring other industries and talking to people from other areas of the world and different industries. So having a network is probably, and having good connections is probably the best way to build a business. I mean, you'll see designers all the time who have, in my opinion, horrendous work, 
absolutely horrendous, but they are busy constantly. Yeah, yeah. Because their network is massive and the people that they, they don't, they don't, you don't have to have amazing work. You just have to have good people skills, which is something I'm learning more about my business every day. Yeah, if you're good, at, if you're good at keeping relationships with people and just excited about what they're doing and, and just becoming friends with them, um, they tend to lead to clients as well. You know, if they eventually recommend you or eventually know someone that can help you get a job. Um, or but, but going back to like design specific friends, design people in the community that you're yeah. getting feedback from. I, I found it quite easy to do that. I, a lot of people in the design community are quite open to giving feedback quite a lot of the time. Yeah, um, have you you've been quite similar similar place for that i do what i can uh in terms of people asking me just because other people as well you asking other people yeah so when when firstly if, if people ask me i do the best i can but when i ask other people or i message people so i believe when we started talking i just messaged you out of the blue or you messaged me That's but it, it's it's just the way that it is and I, i've been i've been doing it for years i've been just contacting people kind of at random through friends of friends <laughs> random makes me sound like a stalker um, <laughs> with with an actual purpose not just random people um but yeah doing doing that and talking to other designers is it's a generally a very nice community you will run into people who are massive hotheads and really are up their own butts not to name any names but um they know who they are uh the yeah but building your network especially as you say, for business purposes is amazing, but also in terms of community, if you don't belong to any community or don't associate with any community, you'll struggle just as much. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Going back to the, the point of, of working for yourself and um, not working for yourself and working in the studio, um, do you have any pros and cons? What the good stuff and bad stuff? Because obviously the working with people, that's obviously a con. Mm. Uh, sorry, that's obviously a pro unless they're, unless they're assholes. But um, yeah, they're working with people, working working in a, in a studio and getting instant feedback is great. But the, the point I was trying to make is uh, going, and you can do that online. You can, you can get other people to yeah to rally from. You can get go back and forth with people online. And the, like you said, the community tends to be quite good, the design community to get feedback. Yeah, I, I don't, I think although having an online community and being able to reach out for feedback and things like that is great. It's never the same as in person. Right. Um, just because the actual visceral interaction you have with another human being, looking at them in the eyes, them pointing at something and you were looking at it or them sketching something out in front of you. And yeah. you watch the way their hand does that on with the pencil on the paper. Like it's so, it, it's so much more stimulating in terms of, um, because it's a social interaction, like a physical social interaction, that working for yourself and having a community is a positive thing. But in comparison to, I don't know, working in a shared office space, you don't even have to be in the same room, but if you work in a shared office space with three or four other people who are designers or, or creatively inclined, you'll have probably better feedback than you would online. Yeah, you can bounce ideas off of people, I suppose, a bit better. Faster as well. Yeah, absolutely. But then the opposite to that could be if you're doing it on your own and you are in your own home and, and people are in their own homes, so you want to connect with them, it's just getting on a Skype call. And obviously, mm. again, like you say, it's quicker, a lot a lot quicker to do it in person because you, you're going to get that instant feedback whereas scheduling a Skype call and people may not be wanting to do it straight away or, or whatever. Um, also, moving on to another uh, idea I had, you can find people in a similar situation to talk to. Uh, so so like if you are working with... Um, 
sorry, if you are working on your own, you, you can find people in a similar situation to, to yourselves online, people people to talk to. That's, that's I don't know where I'm going with this. I've balls that one up. <laughs> I understand what you're saying. You're saying that um, you're allowed to, well, because of the internet now, you have access to people who do or like similar things to you and yeah. who you can ask expertise from because you have access to them. You don't, you're not, you, without the internet, you wouldn't have that ability. You'd have to go through the yellow pages. You'd have to go and meet somebody. You'd have to send them a letter. That's what people used to do. People used to send letters and get a response in a month's time. Mm. To similar questions to, hi, I'm X person. I love your work. Do you think you could help me get into university or something? Like you could do that in an email in 10 minutes, but to get a response from someone 50 years ago would have taken a letter or a phone call, um, which is even less likely to happen. But yeah, you're right in that the internet has allowed you to have access to these types of people and communities. Some of those communities, I think it's kind of scary how much they've flourished because of the internet. And some things you'll find on the internet are very weird, obviously, but in purposes of design, yeah, it, it gives you so much more access to expertise um, through the through online. Like it, it's so much wider, the amount of people you can reach. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, have you got any ideas of, of pros and cons of, of the uh, working for yourself? Is there anything yes. you struggle with? Um, one of the things that I struggle with is the, is the opposite of um, the community aspect is that you feel lonely. Yeah. Um, one of the, the pro of working for yourself, as you said at the start, is that you have your own space, but you have to be disciplined. But the other, uh, another tangent off of that is that if you work for yourself in your own office space, you're usually in a box um, or in a room of the same size every day, facing the same way with the same stuff on the walls. Like the environment you have to create for yourself when you work, the environment you have to create when you work for yourself has to be so much more interesting. Yeah, yeah, it can, it can be as well. Um, yeah, obviously you have the freedom to, which is another pro that, that you can have control of your own space. But if you don't do that, it can become very lonely very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially when you're working on a project, you might be working six, four to six hours in a solid stint, you'll get up and go, there's nobody here to talk to, there's like it, it or no one, you had no one's responded to my messages or it's dark outside now, like what, I can't do anything with the rest of the day. Um, and, and just being, I personally quite enjoy being in a house by myself or, or being, um, having my own quiet space but not for months on end and yeah. it does begin to drag you down for sure how, how do you deal with that then you talk just talking to people constantly online and, and that's i mean that's one reason why i did the podcast so i'm talking to people i'm talking to people that i wouldn't typically yeah, yeah yeah that's actually a really good point is that it gives you an outlet too doesn't it mm. um so yeah typically i'll i'll speak to lydia my girlfriend on the phone pretty much every day at the moment um not because I'm lonely and I miss her, but just uh, just because of the fact that we talk about the work we've done that day or ideas that we've had because she's an illustrator. So we share ideas and things like that. Um, but also I'll talk to people like yourself or um, like Jonathan from Logo Inspirations or other people online 
to either talk about a specific topic or a thing we maybe we'd like to collaborate on and kind of keep those relationships going that way. Yeah, that's probably one of the best ways to combat it. And obviously going out and seeing your friends as much as you can. Um, the only issue I have with that is that most of my friends live like 25 minutes away driving, which doesn't is not very long, I know. But um, followed by people who have gone to university and then moved to another city. So yeah, it makes it more difficult that way. But that's probably the best way that I combat that. Um, yeah, so... Should I do it? I've got another one I can think yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So one of the pros of working for yourself, for sure, is that you can set your own rate. Um, now, by setting your own rate, it's a pro because you can go, okay, well, although I could, on both sides of the coin, you could earn maybe more money in an agency, but you'd rather do it yourself. Okay, well, you can still earn the same amount of money. Um, or you can earn more or you can earn less. You, you have the ability to go, well, I don't need or want to be earning 200,000 pounds a year. I would like to be earning 40,000 and live in a house in the woods. Like you can do that. Like that's perfectly fine. And you can figure out how to earn that much money and what you need to do and do that at your own pace and set your own boundaries and set your own rate and your own rules. Um, on both ends, as I say, you can go really small and kind of focus in on, on a different idea of success, or you can go as big as you'd like. Um, obviously, you'll you'll hit some people coming to back to you being like, you charge too much. And it's like, well, okay, next. Um, <laughs> but no, the, um, yeah, so that, that's the pro of it is that you get to choose your own rate. Um, yeah. But the, the con side of that is that, um, it can be very difficult to set your own rate and realize what your work is worth if you've if you're not surrounded by people who know what they're talking about or you've never worked in that particular sector before so when i joined well when i joined sounds like a cult when um i became a graphic designer when i started that in 2017 um I was very un, like unsure of what like the going rate was. I know that in the UK, a junior designer typically earns about 20 grand, like 18 to 20K. That's, that's usually about right for someone fresh out of uni uh, in a junior position. So I was looking at that and I was going, okay, but where do I sit in this? How do I? And then that's when people start going into hourly rates and all of that type of stuff, which is not good. But that's the con side of it. The con side is you, it requires a lot of education to even set your own rate, let alone earn money. Yeah, yeah. And because people aren't talking about it as well, it becomes a lot harder. I think with that, with finding your own rate, it's talking to, you, you need to start talking to a couple of people that you really trust in the design world and, and stick with your guns and try not to move too much on it. Um, that's one thing I've, I've struggled with and I still sort of do, is if, if, you, if you're talking to people that you trust and, and you, they're moving away from it when people do say you know he's too high or you, you just try i know you haven't got any clients but just try and stick to that because they'll come back to you when they do have that budget and mm -hmm. they'll see you as that respected designer that sticks to their budget and, and can do what they what, what you say you can do and um yeah, yeah it's yeah it's, it's a really hard one for, for young designers one of the things that i always think about is that you should be saying no more than you're saying yes right yeah i mean it's getting towards Christmas, so inquiries slow down because it's nearly Christmas. But 
the fact is that if you have 10 emails or inquiries come in from new prospects, you may only take one or two, depending on the project itself, because this is a question I get mentioned or get asked quite a bit on Instagram is that do, will I get more clients or more prospects by having more followers? And I said, yes, but the quality of that does not increase. Mm. So the percentage will always be the same. So I say, if, if at the beginning you have 10 leads in a month and you pick one, maybe when you have a big audience online, you'll get a hundred. But you may only, I say, you, to keep to the same percentage, you may only take on 10 of those jobs or you may even only take on one. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. It, the, the ability to set your own rate is the pro and, and set your own boundaries and do your own rules. And that's an amazing freedom. But people get tied up in the idea of having to say yes. And obviously the con of that, as I said, is that you have to, under, you have to educate yourself on what you're worth. And you also have to educate yourself in business because if you don't, you'll get screwed on both ends. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just thinking about a few experiences I've had as well with uh, with clients and and just picking the right ones, looking for those red flags. Um, Yeah. I'll come on to the red flag stuff in another episode with, with uh, with other people, or maybe another episode with you, but we'll see. Um, Sure. But yeah, it's, yeah, I think money, money in the design world, people need to talk about money, I think a bit more, a little bit more. And, and getting getting that stuff across, so you, just for clients, even if it's just for clients, so they, so they can understand why people aren't talking about it or why, what certain things or what certain things you have to ask to to actually give a proper price. Um, yeah, because th- that's one thing as well. How much should you charge? But no one knows what questions they should be asking to find out that. Um, exactly. But yeah, uh, I don't really know where, where I'm going with this. Any more pros and cons of um, working for yourself? I mean, it's very nice to have your own space. It's very nice to have. You, you know, relaxing. I think that's why a lot of people move to working for themselves. It's because they ha- can have that freedom. They can work mm-hmm. whenever they want. They can have a late night here and there, or they can get up late, or, or they can have an early starts and work late. It's it's really really amazing to have that freedom um, when you're not tied to the desk, like you say. I think that's one of the main reasons. But I think also one of the big pros is that you get to choose. As as I say, you have the freedom to work whenever you want. You have the freedom to set your own rate, um, but you also have the freedom to What's the words I'm looking for? Choose what you're working on. Choose your own projects. That's definitely the third. I think that's probably the third of the trifecta if we're going for it. Um, the idea that you can say work for yourself, set your own rate, and you get to pick. Um, yeah. Because there's a lot to be said and a lot not talked about of let's say how to do understand what a red flag is, how to pick out and ask the right questions so you can uncover that stuff. Because a prospect is basically like a giant rock really it's like it's like opening your front door to a giant rock you have to use a chisel and kind of chip away at it Mm. to see whether there's a gift on the inside or whether it's just got a stick of dynamite in the middle like you you have to say the pro is that you can pick whichever jobs you want but you still have to spend the time to dig into it um which unfortunately is one of the reasons why i think people use questionnaires a lot because it allows them to kind of half-ass that step um, then you get half-assed answers as well. You, you do, need, yeah. You ask proper questions and get into conversation with people. Yeah, and I, more often than not, I find that if somehow someone gets past my contact form and just sends me an email out of the blue, I will always send them back the questions they didn't answer. <laughs> um, 
because and if they're not willing to answer those very basic business questions that's immediately a red flag yeah um and i know that some people will some people online and who have come across in different groups have said well you should be replying to every email and i'm like actually yes you know what you probably should but if you come across an email that is completely written in jargon like you can't decipher it at all and they've not bothered to spend the time to answer your very simple questions then your time's probably not worth it either so say yeah the pro is definitely that you get to pick your own stuff but the con is that you have to kind of spend the time and the effort actually asking the right questions yeah uh, uh so whereas if you if you work for a studio or someone you probably have an account manager that does that for you yeah and you probably have someone that uh, works with the client works closely with the client uh but yeah, I think it's about deciding what 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 makes what appeals to you so much that you want you want to stay working for yourself rather than work for a studio. I like control. Yeah, I'm a bit of a control freak. Um, if I'm if I'm not managing the project or um, I my personality type is very leadership orientated. Um, I can't remember exactly. We did I did a personality test the other day. It was very entertaining. Um, but it was one of those. It's like the, the most accurate one on the internet type thing. I, I very much struggle with um, not being a lead on a project or not having a significant role. Not because I think I'm the most expert at something, but because I'm a control freak. So, well, not a massive control freak. I mean, if you looked around my office 10 minutes, well, an hour ago before we started chatting, it was a complete mess. But in terms of getting things done, getting projects done, um, I would need or want like some kind of leadership role. Um, and although I do obviously re very much respect people who are more experienced than me, it's not that type of, it's not that I'm anti-authority hugely. I'm a little bit depending on what it is, but it's mainly that I get to choose. I get to have the freedom to, that's, that's the main reason. Um, and the, also, I know that if I was in an industry setting, I'd get very bored very quickly. Absolutely, yeah. You're doing that same thing. It's, it's that repetitiveness that gets me as well. Um, I think maybe I should have a, another person talking from who works in a studio on this on this episode. Uh, but it, it's definitely that repetitiveness and the fact that you're coming to the same time, same desk, same music, same radio that's playing, same channel, same everything that it really gets me going. It's grinding me out. Yeah, I can't do it. I've tried twice now to do it more than six months. A job and I can't do it um, so yeah so well to go off the other side my as I going back to my girlfriend Lydia she she worked at a studio in London over the summer so 2018 summer the thing she really enjoyed about it is that she was surrounded by other creative people and she was it wasn't that the radio was on she could listen to whatever she wanted she she had fr some freedoms um, but she's the type of person who much prefers having a fairly strict brief and sticking to targets and like doing that type of thing. Yeah. Um, having the creative freedom to do what you want in between, but she works better with a strong brief. So if you had her on here, she'd probably say, well, working yourself is great, but obviously I don't want to take words out of my mouth, but she'd probably say working yourself is great, but working in an agency allows me to have more stability to maybe have um, to worry about as much. 
you don't have to worry about as many things. You, you a lot of things are sorted for you, and you're just the designer. You're the one that's creating the thing. Can be, yeah. Or that, or that if you you're not the final decision maker. Mm. Some people quite like that as well. It seems the fact that they don't shoulder all the responsibility. Yeah, yeah. So sort of, it's sort of finding out who you are really. Trying yeah. both things. I recommend actually. That's a good thing. Trying both things. Work for a studio for a bit, and then and maybe it's just internships or work experience, and then going to find out. Uh, how it feels working on your own if you want to if you still feel that desire to um, I think that's probably the safer way to do it rather than yeah. going for it first uh, I know we've both gone for it first but you know <laughs> it's worked uh, out pretty well so far so yeah, it's been all right. <laughs> so yeah I think that's finding out who you are some self, self-awareness that's the main one yeah um, for sure exactly be aware of what you want and what you need mm. nice one uh, thanks very much for being on this and, and chatting and uh, where can people find you and say hello to you? Awesome. Well, thanks, Mark, for, for having me on this episode. Really appreciate it. Um, you can find me at C Fowler Design on everything, Twitter, Instagram, and Dribble are where I'm most active, but you can put that username in pretty much anywhere and you'll find me. Um, and yeah, that's and that's pretty much it. The new website was up a couple months ago, so that's connorfowler.com. You can check out some case studies on there as well. And yeah that's pretty much it instagram content pretty much every day well starting from when this goes out anyway um, but yeah thanks again mark nice one thank you very much for listening to this episode of the creative waffle podcast please do share it around and leave a review on itunes they both really really help the show to grow and for new people to find the show uh, also a referral link down in the description uh, through design cuts if you purchase something through that referral link that will help the show by giving us money um, to spend on new equipment on uh, new episodes and time and, and getting to new guests and hopefully doing a few things in person as well also another route would be to head over to patreon.com slash creative waffle again the link is down in the description um, consider going over there and donating it'd be great to make this a full-time thing that's what i'm trying to do uh, yeah thanks very much for listening have a great day and i'll see you in the next episode